0: From Hyde Park United Methodist Church in Tampa, Florida, this is The Bible Project 2020. A journey to reading the Bible without fear or frustration. I'm your host today, Monica Larges. On this week's episode, Matt Hotho and Sally Campbell-Evans sit down with Carolyn Lewis to cover 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. The Reverend Dr. Caroline Lewis teaches at Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, and has written numerous books and articles. She studied at Emory University and Luther Seminary for her graduate degrees. Dr. Lewis leads conferences, workshops, and retreats internationally on the Gospel of John, the New Testament, interpreting the Bible, preaching, leadership, and women in ministry. Looking at 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, for theology reminds me of the saying, a little goes a long way. We could spend a lot of academic time on these very short books, but what does it matter? I'm going to give you some of the conversation in just a few sentences, so you're caught up for the episode. These books are modeled on the theological ideas in the gospel of John. John thinks a lot about the incarnation of Jesus, that Jesus was God and human. God So love the world that we have Jesus in the flesh. This is a central tenet to the three Johns. As a small group in a big empire, the community was sorting out what it meant for them, for their lives. If they should be like God, and God loves in a very specific way, shouldn't they? This would make them distinct from other groups around them. Another important idea in this podcast episode is how they define sin. Sin. Sin here is just not loving like God loves. That's it. If they don't love like God loves, they're sinners. It's a pretty high standard to live by. They're figuring out that being a people of incarnate love is what defines them. Have you got it? Let's go on to the episode.
1: So I'm so delighted to join you today, Matt, uh, for this podcast with Caroline Lewis. Caroline is going to help us explore the Johannine Epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. So, Caroline, it's funny to be here with you today to talk about these letters because as I am remembering my college dormitory, I lived on the fourth floor and we had one hall bathroom. And in that bathroom were four stalls 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd <laughs> John, and St. John. And so, with that affection in mind, I'm so glad we could begin this podcast today. <laughs> Uh, Thank you for joining us on this important topic. We've been reading um, the Bible this whole year, and now we're on these epistles. And we just would love for you to help us crack it open and explore each of these three letters.
2: Great. Well, it's great to be with you both, Matt and Sally, and thinking about uh, three letters or three writings in the New Testament that one could easily pass over and people probably do uh, because they're short and uh, they come before the last book, of course, the book of Revelation. But uh, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John were long ago yoked together connected to the gospel of John and the book of Revelation, primarily to similarities in vocabulary and theological themes. As the writings are, as the New Testament writings are, are surfacing, and then as they are being collected and read in the early church, that was the observation that these, that they they seem to be sort of from the same vein or the same sort of resource pool, if you will. Uh, but at the end of the day, we don't, we don't really know uh, who wrote these, and more, more recent trends in scholarship, advocate for a separate authorship for the fourth gospel. They are written, we think, around 90 to 110 CE. The fact that they're written later is quite significant because they are clearly identifying issues that are surfacing in the church as the church is getting more established so if you compare then these letters for example to the Pauline corpus there you have uh, really more issues along the lines of of what is it that we believe and what is it that we are holding Mm -hmm. on to the reason that you hear a lot of maybe kind of antagonism <laughs> or you know us versus them or or mm-hmm. we might describe it as sectarianism that's because these are communities that are really having to make claims over and against other Claims about who Jesus is and what Christians believe they're having to uh, make forceful claims about this is our identity. And this is and this is this is how we under, understand ourselves to be. Uh, we, you know, we sometimes as Christians, we forget that uh, that we were the minority mm-hmm. <laughs> back in the day and it took a, quite a bit of time for yeah. the Christian church to sort of work out exactly what all of this means. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you pull back and then look at these letters, those are the issues. Issues of orthodoxy, what is it that we believe, issues of identity, issues with regard to what kinds of beliefs might be leading this community astray. Uh, and holding fast to uh, fast to the commitments or the tenets of the Christian faith, so that's what they that's what they have in common is this uh, this sort of expression of how is it that how is it that Christianity is really working itself out in the latter part of the first century, recognizing that it might be around for a while. You know, the first it's because at first it's just like this fringe, Jew, you know, Jewish movement.
0: Right. It's, it's like very scrappy. It's yeah, like scrappy, yeah. just trying to stay alive, trying to get collections to keep the church going and not be martyred all the time. Exactly. And now it's and now it seems to be settling in a little bit more.
2: Yeah. And it's in the later writings, for example, that you start seeing uh, also issues around leadership, which you which you really get in third John what does church leadership look like? And because it's in these later writings that you start getting language around elders and Mm episcopoi, bishops. And so I think that's important with these letters when you, when, when uh, your folks are reading through them is to recognize that
1: this is, this is a work in progress. Right. As I read first, John, especially over and over their identity is God is love that affirmational statement is amazing. And so can you speak about some of the particularities?
2: Yes. And so that that is a really key thing. When you have the these sort of competing tenets, right? Or what? what is it that we believe in, and the differences between, you know, orthodoxy and heresy. Uh, the the focus then becomes uh, the centrality of God's love. And for 1 John, this is, it seems to be that what's being called out uh, is false teachings around Jesus actually coming in the flesh. That yeah. seems to be really, uh, really the issue, particularly for for first John. And so what we get then is this writer saying, uh, but yet Jesus coming in the flesh, this this act of God's incarnation is at the very nature of God's love. This is an expression of God's love. And it's the kind of love that needs to be expressed in the community. So it's not just love in general, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, have love, everybody love each other. You know, it's not just this general love, but it's love rooted in uh, this incarnational expression Mm -hmm. of God. And it's really pointing to that 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 love that God expressed by becoming human is then really becomes sort of the litmus test for what a Christian community looks like. With the incarnation, that's a very specific kind of love. (laughs) And that's why you get in central to chap in chapter three, this new commandment of loving one another Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and loving God makes us children of God. And we are children of God. And so it's all, it's all has to do with communal love and relationship. And that's really what's at stake. Uh, for for this letter is a love that it's in, that is embodied because of God's love in Jesus and a very specific, tangible incarnational kind of love.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that it's rooted in a community and relationship, and mm-hmm. that is so lacking in so many parts of the world today. Yeah. And I
2: too, also Sally, that, that it's an invitation and this is where it sounds a lot like the gospel of John, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's an invitation to abide in God's love and that the incarnation is what makes that possible. Right. So it's, again, it's not this sort of general love. God is love, Mm -hmm. but God's love uh, is fully expressed and experienced in abiding in this incarnation, incarnated Jesus, and, you know, the word made flesh, so that we abide in God's love, and God's love also abides in every believer. Mm-hmm. That's that relational piece. That becomes then really central for this letter.
0: It seems like it also lays the groundwork for um dealing with disputes. That are going to come up in the community when the community isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing or people outside the community aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. That love ethic not only works in a good way, but it also works to kind of deal with conflict as well.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and that's, you know, one of, the, one of the things that you see throughout the New Testament, right? There is conflict in the community, particularly in the communities of these letters. This is really conflict around belief it's really conflict around w- what is, what is at the center or the core of what we believe. Now that's kind of hard to hear as a modern day Christian uh, because to think that we could have those kind of conflicts, but we do, but that's why we have different denominations. Mm-hmm, we have different right. core central beliefs that we express in our communities. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. And when we were talking earlier and, and uh, you made note, this is the only place where those heresies are so important to the community that they name them as antichrist as yes. the Antichrist, and yes. that is very significant. Can you speak any to that?
2: Yes, and I think that is really a key term a key term here to remember, Sally is that it's only in first and second John mm-hmm. that we have a reference to antichrists. Uh, and it, it occurs three times in First John and then once in Second John, not in Revelation. And so mm-hmm. that's what a lot of people think that, yes. you know, that that <laughs> the Antichrist is the beast that, you know, that is fought and destroyed at Armageddon and all the you know, all the, the great filmology and and uh, <laughs> books around that. But the Antichrist does not occur in Revelation that antichrist is really definitive in that it's antichrist we tend to personify antichrist mm-hmm. and say oh it's a person well no not really it, for these communities it's what is antichrist what mm-hmm. what kind of behavior or what kind of believing is really anti what we know Jesus to be and, and what we know Jesus ministry to be. Uh, And our, and the thing is, is that these letters are willing to name that and they kind Mm -hmm. of have to name it for the sake of their identity and for the sake of their, uh, their authority and for the sake of their survival Mm -hmm. Uh, because it's, and I know that sounds kind of, you know, um, argumentative and conflictual, but if they're not able to articulate that over and against What's out there? There's no way that they would have survived. This is still part of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is still Hellenized country. Uh, and how are you going to compete with the Greco-Roman gods and the pagan gods? And 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 how are you going to distinguish yourself between Judaism? And so that's that's what that that's the, the that's the subterranean
1: issue here. And this is the, the letter that says, if we say we have no sins, we deceive ourselves, and the exactly. truth is not in us. And I love that it, it, it has become, it is the letter that calls us to name it, that we all mess up. And what you said, every act, every act that takes us away from living in community and living out this incarnational love is sin. Yeah. So yeah. that's beautiful.
2: Yeah. And that's, I, that is always something I like to point out. And if you're a liturgical uh, tradition is Mm -hmm. that the first John or yeah, first John uh, one, eight through 10 is that uh, confession of sin in, in those liturgical traditions. Uh, And, and so what that really points out uh, and notice that it's in the first chapter right and right early so, on yes. really early on and so what what's at stake here is that uh, that those who insist that they live in the light mm-hmm. but then do deeds of darkness are in sin they're yeah. they're they're liars is what he's as <laughs> yeah. what is said and and that and it calls attention to I think, in sort of a modern day you know our contemporary understanding of Christianity that we are in regular need of acknowledging that sin of Absolutely. Are we do we live do we live what we believe do we live right, in the love right. of God? Another reason why it's connected to John. Uh, Mm -hmm. is is but it's very typical of of a sectarian community or a community that has to has to distinguish itself what is distinctive about it not exclusive that's the you know sometimes that is john and these letters can sound really exclusivistic like you're either in or you're out and judgmental that's not really it it's it's a need. It's a, it's a, it's actually a must that there is a distinctiveness to this community. What's going to determine what we look like in the, you know, in the sea of all these other possibilities.
1: Yeah. That is beautiful. Distinctive, not exclusive. Mm -hmm. Um, In the, in the way we live it out, I'm going back to the Antichrist thing. Then every little thing on this granular level on our daily life, every little thing that we do that is against living out this love is something we need to confess. And that makes us who we are, people of love, people of incarnational love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does all tie together beautifully, much more so than when before we started this conversation. <laughs> Thank well, you. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So shall we move yeah. then mm-hmm. to second John? Yeah, uh, Second
2: John is uh, Second John is short,
1: brief, <laughs> short. Yes, it is.
2: <laughs> uh, it is, of course, only thirteen verses long. Uh, and it is uh, again not in the revised common uh, common lectionary, but the 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 primary issue here. We again we don't know who authored it. Uh, there's this just so, the self reference to the elder, so clearly somebody who had a leadership role in the community. And the recipient is this unknown chosen lady, <laughs> uh, who who is an individual with some authoritative role in the congregation, or she might represent the congregation in general. Uh, but the, but this is a letter that is addressed to a specific community of Christian believers, and it's a correspondence that's prompted by uh, the language's deceivers in its midst. And again, the again the. The The connection then between First uh, John, for example, is, you know, what is leading people astray in this community? And so the elder feels like, you know, it, it's necessary then to write to this community to hold them up. And so he so so he I'm going to say he is because it probably is a he, but uh, petitions the recipients then to love one another. And to walk according to Jesus' commandments. So it's it's pretty it's pretty straightforward in terms of it's more epistolary than First mm-hmm. John. First John is often uh, it's called a letter, but it's it's more like a sermon or an mm-hmm. essay. It doesn't have those usual letter components of. Opening, you know, salutation, a body, and a conclusion, and I think what you know, one of the things we want to remember, particularly with second and third John, is, is that these are real letters, right? Uh, and yeah. now we don't write many letters to each other these days, but letters were the primary mode of communication. And they are, uh, they did a lot of things, you know, when you went through the Pauline Corpus, I'm sure you recognize that, you know, they have a lot mm-hmm. of goals and a lot of purposes, but one of the important things about the letter is that it, it, it is, it was meant to be almost a stand in for the person who wrote the letter.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so, yeah. so when this letter is read out loud to the community, uh, like Paul writes a letter to the Galatians. The Galatians all got together, and the letter is read out loud. And it's if Paul is standing in their midst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it lends lends a little gravitas to that. It's not just oh, I'm going to you know, I'm going to write a little little letter to the Galatians just because just to see how they're doing. No, this is like a <laughs> this and that's the same kind of sense um, here is uh, and it's again the central to this this letter again is the confession of Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh and that's in verse Senate. 7 verse 7 excuse seven, me yeah. and that um and that there are some who are denying this central tenet of the christian faith and again why it's why it's probably yoked with john because mm-hmm. you have this the word the word made flesh and clearly what's happening is that is that whether or not these you know, we again we don't know the authorship, but clearly this was the issue in these these communities, right? Was to you know sort of uh, cipher, you know, siphon out uh, this sense of of do we really believe this this central tenant or not, and what difference does it make for how we act in community? And so, and anyone who does not say that Jesus came mm-hmm. in the flesh is therefore. The Antichrist. Antichrist. Yes. <laughs> you know, the other thing about these letters too is to recognize that what, what is important is really the identity of Jesus. Like who mm-hmm. is Jesus? Calling the deceivers the Antichrist might sound like a little over the top <laughs> for,
1: yeah, for, for our uh, day.
2: For our day. Mm-hmm. But for the elder, for the you know, for the author of this letter, it's a theological emergency. Yeah, it's it. That's what's at stake here is a theological uh, emergency, because any kind of any kind of foothold that uh, that an alternate belief could get into a community has the potential to divide the community Mm -hmm. and deceive the community. And it could be the demise of the entire congregation. And so that's so if the congregation is not sort of centralized around this, you know, this central belief of who Jesus is, uh, then 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 the community won't survive. Right. That's really kind of what's at stake Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. But that's that's sort of the important aspect of looking at letters like this. uh, You know, is to say. This has been a constant of the of the mm-hmm. Christian identity, like the Christian community. The, a constant is always navigating um, these the central tenets of of what you what you believe and being able to articulate that. Again, not for the sake of exclusivity or for the sake right. of we're right and you're wrong, but you've got to have something that holds you together.
1: Hmm. So one of the questions I'd love to ask you is. How do we live in the light? How do we live in that love today in the year 2020? In 2020. 2020, it's been quite a year yeah. and uh, it's not quite over, but uh,
2: <laughs> it's getting <laughs> although, there. Although we all wish it were, I think one of the things that we want to do is, as as believers is how is it that we're going to church not to get the answers. Uh, But that how is it that we're empowering each other to give witness to what we believe and to know really what's at stake in what we believe, to be able to articulate that, to be able to testify. This is what I think. This is not to to win you to my side. This is not to say I'm better than you. This is not because this is what third John this yeah, is, let's move there. I mean, yeah. I'm going to get third John in here, but this Good. is the issue with, with leadership in third John yeah. is that, uh, is, is this, you know, this leader is calling out other leaders in the letter because they are not acting the way that they should like, uh, Diotrephes is called out because he has influence, but he's not acting in the ways of the truth. Mm-hmm. There's that hypocrisy again. Uh, 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 Geography, basically he loves to put himself first. <laughs> that doesn't work in a in a small community, and he doesn't respect the authority of the of the other elders. In other words, I bring that in because uh, I think we're at a time when how is it that that we are we are gathering around these conversations so that we can. Uh, so that we can better articulate or better uh, give witness to who we believe Jesus is. Mm -hmm.
1: Just wanted to kind of sum up these three, um, these three Johannine epistles. I love what you said about this helps us. uh, They are trying to declare how they are distinctive and not exclusive. They are trying to affirm the humanity, the incarnational love, of God because Jesus came to be among us. And we are supposed to live out that love in community. And when we don't do that, we have to confess it. And I loved what you said about, and I'm just going to ponder this the rest of the day, I think, but every little action that is living against that is the antichrist. It's not this huge monster out there. It is all those little things. That take us away from living out that love and living in light. So uh, thank you so much for spending this time with us today. It's really been beautiful. Yeah. Thank
2: you. It's been great. Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) Wow. Thank you, Dr. Lewis, for joining us today. Thank you for discussing these big topics in a personal way. God's incarnate love is what defines this community. How should it define us? If you want to hear more from our conversation, be sure to join our Bible Project 2020 group on Facebook. We have a bonus episode that addresses the question, should politics be in the pulpit? We're still worshiping online, Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. You can join us on Facebook or at hydeparkumc.org live. Our Christmas online worship services will be available Christmas Eve starting at 2 p.m., You can find it at hydeparkumc.org slash Christmas on Demand. Thank you, Matt Hotho and Sally Campbell Evans. Reverend Sally produced this one. I was your editor. I'm Monica Largis. See you next week.